Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Healing Place podcast. My name is Brian Hackney, and I'm the director of the Healing Place. And uh, many of you have asked, when are you going to be releasing more episodes of the Healing Place podcast? Well, ask and ye shall receive. So I'm really excited the way we're going to open up 2023. Um, a few weeks ago, I sat down with a really good friend, Beth McGuire, and we recorded seven episodes of a podcast uh, called Beautiful Ashes. I was wanting to have Beth on my podcast, and then incidentally, she said she was going to be shooting one, so um, she asked me to be on that podcast. So we're going to release those seven episodes to start the year on the Healing Place podcast. So who is Beth McGuire? Beth is a really, really good friend. Um, who was one of our care coaches. And over seven years ago, she started care coaching across Timbers in the Healing Place. Uh, she became uh, one of our star care coaches, I say, and she led our divorce care ministry. And um, she has since moved to North Carolina, but she stayed in touch. And she's actually still care coaching via Zoom, long distance from her home in North Carolina. Beth uh, went through a very, very public divorce. And uh, she had the life that everyone dreams of, married, two kids, uh, very successful life, a successful career, a foundation that she had poured her heart and soul and passion into that was giving back to the community that they lived in at the time. And literally overnight, that all disintegrated. And um, as she went through, a, a, again, a very public divorce and found herself on the floor, literally on the floor in the fetal position, thinking her life was over. So uh, she's written a book called Beautiful Ashes, and there's seven chapters. The first chapter is called The Floor. Uh, and in the book, she just chronicles her journey of devastation uh, and the long road to healing as she pressed into faith, pressed into family, pressed into community, and uh, silence, building intimacy with God, and ultimately now finding purpose and meaning and passion for a new mission to find men and women who find themselves in the same situation that she was in and trying to give them hope for healing. So yeah, we sat down and, and recorded seven episodes, one for each chapter. We're gonna be releasing them uh, every week. So without further ado, I give you Beth McGuire in Beautiful Ashes. Welcome back to the Beautiful Ashes podcast. We are on chapter six, family. Again, I'm here with Victor Fadul and Brian Hackney. Thanks guys. Let's Welcome. just dive into this one. This is one of my favorite chapters about family. Family is beautiful and God's family is beautiful. And the one word we put to this chapter was healing. So Vic, why is that? Yeah, I was gonna ask you, Vic, tell me why, why, what, what made us choose healing as first, our network? First line of the chapter, family is God's way of providing unsolicited accountability. <laughs> unsolicited, yeah. key yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> and it can, you know, family can be the most comforting, softest place to land. And sometimes it can't, it isn't. It's the opposite of that. Um, and so as we start to, as I start to dive into this about you know, the family that I have, the family that God provided me. Not everybody's family is going to look like mine, and that's okay, because one of the greatest things about God is family doesn't have to just be biological. He will provide a family for you if in areas he fills in the gaps. Mm. For, uh, for, so I don't want to, people that think, oh, well, I didn't have that, so I don't have a family. 
But if you watch the journey as I tell you about the family, the, the big family that God created for me to love on me, it to help. Extended well beyond your blood yes, family. To help me heal through this. So that's that's really what I want to start up front with, that people don't feel like, wow, she had a you know great mom and dad and a great sister and all these friends. So just to watch God will be able to work through that as well, not to stop you on that. It's very gentle and very kind. A lot of people you're right don't have don't have the ideal situation. I remember we talked a lot about that when we were writing this chapter because mm-hmm. you were like, well, if I start going into my relationships, what if someone gets turned off by the fact that I'm like, well, I had a great relationship with my mother. I, had a, I mean, <laughs> I would just say that it doesn't always pan out the way you think it's gonna, right? Like you're, and you even get in, in the chapter, you talk about your relationship with your father looked a little bit different right. than, you know, say for instance, my father, right. you know, and you get into how important there, I mean, if you think about your past, right, how important it was to have the family unit and how you clung so hard to you want to preserve and protect it mm-hmm. uh, to the degree that in a way it became an idol. Right. When that was smashed, if you will. Yeah. And God was like, hey, let me grow something beautiful out of these ashes. Yes. It looks completely different today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the family that I thought I had looks different. Yeah, one of the things that I am actually most grateful for is my small town grassroots upbringing. Which you just got back from? I did. I spent mm-hmm. some holidays there. My my mom still lives in the same home that I grew up in, and there's just something so mm-hmm. peaceful about that, and I am so grateful for that um, upbringing. And it's funny because I do remember a time in high school where I couldn't wait to get away from that small town. <laughs> you know, I wanted the big sure. city lights and all that. Um, and I, him. and I did, I got <laughs> yeah. away from it. And, um, I'll be honest with you when my world came crumbling down, I was so grateful for the fact that I had this place to return to this comfort, this love of unconditional love that I received mm-hmm. from my parents and my sister, I just had such a built-in that way. And I know not everybody has that, but God also provided that in other ways for me too. It we'll get into as we go down that. But, you know, I did grow up in a very loving home. And I've said this before, I was taught to believe Jesus, but I didn't really understand how to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so there was that that lacking in, in there. So that was one of the areas that, you know, my parents are flawed, right? They're not perfect either. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, my um, very strong father, mm. <laughs> in, in, in a just, it, he passed away a couple years ago. And growing up in that home with him, I think you've asked me this before in the past, like where I got my perfectionism from. And one of the things I talk about is my dad spent a lifetime, you know, trying to anticipate anything that can go wrong, mm-hmm. while my mom spent all the time worrying about all those things that could go wrong and I've always asked myself whammy. it is mm-hmm. and that's the, a lot of that control factor that I have and a lot of the perfectionism but I've always wondered about my dad he had a lot of um you know cynicism in with his faith and kind of you know just just really had kind of pulled away from that and trying to understand that because I could see that his need to control and then I kind of took that on as well and one thing that as I matured in my faith, I understand these places and what we what it looks like when we have something happen to us, a brokenness that can cause us to sever our relationship with God. And I'm not sure this is everything with my father. 
Um, I know there was a lot of legalism that went on that really bothered him as it does us as well, mm -hmm. um, that deterred him from church. But I do know that he had to experience, to me, the most one of the most awful things that can happen to a human on earth. And I know you know this yeah. very well, Brian. My um, parents lost their firstborn son. Mm -hmm. And it makes me tear up because yeah. I know that pain having my own children now. I can't even fathom it. And the way that they handled it back then, it was, you know, my dad, my mom's in the hospital go, you know, going into labor early. And um, she tells me this story. He is in the chapel praying to God. God, save my son, save my son. I don't think they knew it was a son at the time, actually. But, and he's like, I'll stay up all night with you. Just save my child. And he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he found out that his, it was a boy, had passed away hours after birth. And I don't really believe I know that they did not process that out, that grief, that pain. And we talked about that in the past and what happens when you don't process, process grief, the bitterness in the heart and heart. So Brian, you can talk about that. Yeah, when I read this in the book, I, I told Beth, I, I didn't remember that part of her story, you know, that her dad and mom went through the loss of their firstborn. And um, yeah, there's so much there first. I went back to the 24-hour prayer vigil the first time Corbin was in the hospital, mm -hmm. you know, so my son passed shortly after his second birthday. But when he was born, he was, he had this severe birth defect and we were begging for his life and he ended up coming home after the first 12 days after an open heart surgery. But those first few hours, I was in the chapel literally wow. begging God to save my son. Yeah. And so I, I'm reading those words, wow. but, but he, here's the deal. When you said that your your father, you know, nobody knows how to process this stuff. Yeah. And but but and and again, God bless you know, God bless them, God bless our churches. But many times, it's the Christian community that doesn't give us the time and the space and allow us to grieve. because yeah. they're they're wanting it. They don't want to hurt. They don't want us to hurt. Right. So it's it's all good. God's yeah. you know. People literally, I had someone congratulate me after my son passed. He literally congratulated me on the way to my seat at my son's memorial service. And I thought, what? Congratulations. He said, yeah. He goes, God must have really thought highly of you and Jamie to put you through this trial. And, you know, wow. people say, you know, they're in a better place. God right. wanted an angel. Right. You right. know, Christians say the stupidest things. <laughs> so but, but so here's the deal. Of course, your dad was struggling. Yeah. And... Then it's the lie we believe. He had this, I'm sure, this deep-seated lie. If I wouldn't have fallen asleep, maybe he would have lived. He yeah. could have blamed himself. Yeah. But we didn't give we didn't give him the chance right. and the space to grieve that. And then, you know, I've used this term, you feel cosmically bullied. Yeah. Like, and if, I mean, this is the biggest bullet the atheist gun is human suffering. Like, exactly. if, how could a good God allow that? Exactly. And if we don't give him time and space to feel all that... Yep. That is what turns many people away from their faith or away yeah. from God. Yeah. So, yeah, but now as an adult and as a mom, you have a whole different perspective on what your dad. Was I do. Doing. And I can actually even see, you know, where he, he was this, you know, strong, domineering figure in my life. I actually know that was a hedge of protection he was trying to put over my sister and I. Mm -hmm. And I can see him in a different lens that way. And I, I'll say this, too. One of the greatest gifts I received during his passing was 
the visual of who my father is to my children, the lens of my children as they saw him as Gramps, a more mellow version of him, just full of love for them. And, uh, you know, they, they viewed him, I, they viewed him as this, you know, small town guy, owned his own business, married to his high school sweetheart and loved his family well. So for me, to play golf. and love to play golf. <laughs> he had to throw that in there too. He did love to play golf. Yeah. And what, what, what was so beautiful for me is to see him through their lens, mm -hmm. because in my mind, even some things that maybe from my childhood that were hard for me to see that be made up, I like to think of it as a gift to my children where they needed that, to see him in that role of loving his family well. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a gift to do it. And I didn't recognize that until he had actually passed. Mm -hmm. So there was beauty inside of that at the, yeah. at the end of his life. And not just that, when reading, when reading to you and your mother down in Florida, like having your mom fill in yeah. a lot of the gaps that I didn't mm -hmm. know about or have and, and watching her experience emotion and talk with you about some of those very painful moments yeah. was, it was so cool because My she was finally able to talk it out she was and i have to say we didn't talk about this growing up we didn't talk about the death of her firstborn son we didn't we didn't, and so she was able to really grieve some of that probably for the first time and it was a really cool bond between us you know my mom if you ever get the privilege to meet her she is the most one of the most gentlest beautiful so souls mm. that god has placed on this earth it comes so natural to her to unconditionally love it is genuine and i am grateful every single day and i know not everybody has a mother like that and i'm so grateful that i do that is the core to what kept me afloat was that unconditional love and no i always say we're simultaneous saint and sinner you yeah. know no one's either one we're both yeah. right but literally when you see the way she loved your father Absolutely. and yet again it, we've all got the mixed bag right Heck we're conflicted yeah. about we we love this and we appreciate that and respect that but we had this too and yeah. we had the resentment maybe but yeah. you were able to i i feel like you were able to love your father more seeing and almost in awe this saint of a mom yeah. love him the way yeah. he loved him yes. and then so many people, this is a testimony to your healing. So many people, you know, when you, it's like, hey, where was this Gramps when I was growing up? You know, yeah. and you can have that resentment <laughs> yeah. when somebody else has a better, like, who's this guy? But you're able to actually have compassion for him yeah. and love the fact that your kids got Gramps and Absolutely. see him that way. That's a testimony to your, this soft heart. Yeah. Yeah, that God could do that work. But yeah, and my mother did did love well, and she does love well. She's all, she's just... And so I used to say, if I can just be half as good of a mother as she was, and I will, job well done. She yeah. was just that beautiful. And so I did have that blessing of a mother. And I also had an amazing built-in best friend in my sister. Mm. Rock solid, strong, confident, holds me up, lets me be crazy and be all my crazy self, but then talks me off the ledge and brings me back to grace. She's just, she is my person that I walk through life with. We have journeyed very similar paths with some things, but she has been by my side, thick and thin, from the day she was born. Mm -hmm. And we, to this day, we get to enjoy raising our kids together still and talking about all that life and taking care of my our sweet mama since um, our father's passed. So I'm just grateful for my immediate family. Yeah, And that is also 
the testament I talk about that why I held on to my immediate family mm -hmm. because I know what it's like and I know the beauty that I get to experience now that I got to experience with my parents and my children and them getting the joy of watching their grandchildren mm -hmm. and just the, the traditions, legacy. the legacy, the family traditions. You know, my mom still lives in that same home and like we, there wasn't a Christmas that we didn't go back. And so I get to go back in my little dormer twin bedroom that my sister and I shared. Mm -hmm. And there's just such a comfort and peace with that. And I just so desperately wanted that. That is why I struggled for such a long time because my parents did give me a great example yeah. of that of that strong. And you family. saw that slipping away and literally disintegrating. I did. They yeah. never quit. No, my mm -hmm. parents never quit. Mm -hmm. I'll give them that for sure. Yeah. No matter the, and it wasn't perfect and there were things, but I just, they never gave up and you talked about that. Mm -hmm. They kept choosing to love each other. Yeah. And that is, that that that's to me, if my children take that away out of anything, yeah, it's beautiful. So you know, it's interesting because again, we're very. I'm so hyper aware or hypersensitive to the people who don't have that cohesive family. Yeah. And they were 18. You know, since I'm 18, I'm out yep. the door and I'm never turning back. Yeah. But the people who did have that sense. And, and by the way, if you're that person, then go create it. And I know it's hard because of what was modeled for you and sure. some of the unhealed. But go get the healing so you can create. Yes. Like. There was some good, bad, and ugly yep. in my family of origin. You know, everybody, that's, yeah. that's our thing. But what I've created, what Jamie and I have created, Leave what it. I call the Hackney that, 5, and now yep. it's the Hackney 12. Love, <laughs> I love that, yeah. It's, yeah, you go create it. But but the prodigal, no matter what makes us the prodigal, we always return to where the love is. Yes. And I saw yes. that in this, you, you, you go to where the love is, whether yep. it's your... It, your biological family yeah. or your extended family, yeah. you know, yep. that you obviously God brought in your path. And God did bring an extended family that was beyond my expectation, you know. And I just, it, it's when you look back, I see God knew exactly what he was doing by moving our family to mm -hmm. Texas and, you know, and then everything falling out from under me from that. You know, I had my kids at a school, a small Christian school that was just full of amazing people that became like my mm -hmm. family. One of the really cool things about that school is being a Christian school, we were able to actually pray together. And one of my most favorite memories of that is on Friday mornings, we called it locker room prayer moms. And the moms of the boys that were going to be playing on Friday night, we got together. We literally could go in that stinky, <laughs> but really in locker room. I know that smell. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know it well. And we'd get together and just pray over our boys. But what it really turned out to really be was just this camaraderie that happened amongst these as moms. You know, we would talk about our fears, our struggles, and just love on each other and take care of each other. And you know, we, I first had that with um, with the sports of my both of my children mm -hmm. and all the parents that would just pour into us. So they, we built this great bond between these these moms. And um, I'm just the gratitude. And then from those moms, we had a, a great group of us that even got closer called the Black Bear Moms. And we would follow our boys around to all the sports that they would play. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, like they say, it takes a village. And God kept providing me this village between, you know, teachers and um, counselors and um, pastoral people at the school and, you know, the coaching staffs and coaches and cheer coaches and all those things The people that came in just flooded into my kids' lives. And I realized when my kids were graduating there, I was I was sad just as much for me because it became a family. For sure, me. it really, really became a family for me, and um, from that family, I found my very best friend that I did life with. She was another hardworking single mom struggling, mm -hmm. and we literally we would call it, "Hey, do you want to go meet for some 
bean and cheese nachos and maybe a margarita or so because we were struggling and we just really needed that time just to bounce. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for her. And then um, I'm also blessed to have some, um, the family that lives in the area and hanging with my cousins. And so we just, God was just strategic at placing me right here in Texas to surround me with all and those your people. cousins here that you see all the time? Yes. Pam? Pam, my cousin Pam. Yep. And um, the fact that you see, and you can look back, but you sought it out, right? Takes a village. Yeah. But you see the provision because, I mean, literally, when we're, when we're helping people in the healing place that are coming and struggling, the people who do well are the ones who have family or if they don't have family support, they have community. You have to have that. Yep. If you're on your own, or you're isolated, it's very, very difficult to, to, to do anything. It's I mean, a trifecta. It's like failure to thrive. We always have that. Sorry, I just stopped. Uh, I was saying biopsychosocial. It's a yes. trifecta of healing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, we talk about the, you know community. And to me, what family is, is just a deeper level of community. You know, you don't always let every single person that you have in community mm-hmm. into that mm-hmm. sphere of your space, right? That's an earned space, and you've mm-hmm. got to be careful with that as well. So that's you those those boundaries. relationships, boundaries, and that's what I mean by just those women. We got to really know each other and know each other's hearts, and that mm-hmm. carried all the way through my my kids. So many times, you know, we talked about right at the top this unsolicited accountability with family. You know, right? So many times when we're going through hard stuff, and your friends love you, and they don't want you to hurt, so they're supporting. You can get the yes men, if you will, around you. What are some examples or do you, what who comes to mind? Uh, people who didn't just always tell you the, the stuff you wanted to hear. <laughs> well, honestly, my, tr- my, my two closest, so I call them my tribe, Your is tribe. Christy yeah. and my cousin Pam. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what I love about them the most is that we are, we are allowed to be ourselves 100% mm-hmm. accepting the, the good, the bad, the ugly, <laughs> yeah. and allowing us to have a safe place, right? Mm-hmm. To vent to cry, to do whatever, to, I always said to let the crazy out. Yeah. But then hold each other accountable mm-hmm. to say, you know, I love you enough to tell you this. Yeah. That, you know, and so it's just such a grace that goes on in that. But those are relationships that take time to build. You know, even though Pam was my cousin and I know her because she's family, it we didn't really become close until our adult life. And it just mm-hmm. took time for those relationships. So I would say on that is just, Bill, take the time to pour into those types of people mm-hmm. that and just it takes work, right? Just like we're talking to marriage, friends, intentionality yes. in your relationship. Take it for granted. Don't right. because it will when you are going to, when it when things fall and you hit the ground. If you like you just said, if you don't have that there. So to me, establishing strong, meaningful, heartfelt friendships mm-hmm. are critical to your healing. I know we moved beyond your immediate family, mm-hmm. you know, like where you grew up and your home and that safety and security. But e- e- before we move too far past that, there was a member of your family <laughs> that was always there for you. That You said even in the maybe the worst of times became a kind of a glue that held the bond of the family together. You're talking about my sweet dog champ. And that makes me emotional, too, yeah. because he actually passed away a little over a year ago. And um but oh my gosh, again, the blessing of a sweet four-legged family member. I don't, again, we've talked about this before. See God using, you know, beauty in nature, but he also uses our animals to heal. And Champ just had, you know, a sixth sense or a God sense as we like to call it, just knowing what each of us needed. And just that bond. And even when we ha- when Champ 
we had to put Champ down. Just that bond of doing that together. Just, you know, yeah. thank you, Champ, a life well lived. Yes. You know, his time on earth and his served so well in the 11 years we got him. He was exactly where he was supposed to be with exactly who needed him to cry on, to hug on, to love on, mm -hmm. who he needed to sleep with that night. He just had that sense, and I'm just so grateful. Yeah. So that's another extension of family is our animals. Yes, and I, I wanted to bring that out yeah. because I, I know a lot of people, they just kind of, I grew kind of poo-poo that, right? It's like, come on, they're a dog. <laughs> I grew up in a non-dog family, right? And then now, I, <laughs> good night, we had Coda, <laughs> yeah. which was my, my buddy, and I had to put Coda down years ago, but now we have Jesse, we have Rascal, and we have Mila. Oh my gosh. And you talked about knowing, this God sense, knowing when they need to go and comfort someone, curl up beside someone, exactly. just coming over and, and knowing you're hurting. I love this. Richard Rohr in his book, The Cosmic Christ, at the very, or the Universal Christ, yeah. he says in the very, the dedication, rise to forward, yep, is to know, Venus, his dog. Dog Venus. And he says, if that's man. not, if yep. that's not Christ, yep. who is it? Like yeah. where else are they coming from? Who created these dogs? And so when people ask, you know, do dogs go to heaven? Of course, all dogs go to No, it's like, of course. that is, yeah. that's, a manifestation of Christ. Absolutely. I bring that up because it's not just animals. It's like, come on. Yeah. Everything. Yes. Is, and if you can see it that way, yep. that Christ, God in the beginning, mm -hmm. right? Everything that was made was made through him. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. And I think he dwells among us in the champs. Of course he in does. In the codas. Oh, I know that for sure. Yeah. That, that, that he dwelled in my dog champ. Yeah. For sure. It yeah. is. It was. He was special, and yeah. he was made especially for. So you heard it here first. Yeah. All the, the heresy of, <laughs> of of God dwelling in our dogs. <laughs> no, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that you bring out over and over, you say, "Man, I hope that you're not missing that. If God can do this in my life, He can do it for you." Mm -hmm. um, you in in this in this chapter, you said, "If she can do it, so can I." And you said it starts with gratitude. And for me, the easiest place to bolster gratitude is thinking about family. Absolutely. And so, f again, for me, I think the antidote to suffering in, in many areas is gratitude. Yes. I mean, if you got resentment, bitterness, hey, go to your gratitude yeah. list, right? Yeah. Um, if you're feeling, you know, anxious, gratitude. If yeah. you're feeling depressed, gratitude. So that was your the, one of the easiest ways to access gratitude in your life was family. Yeah, and for me, it it was. And I could, like I said, I just kind of went through this whole list. It, it's it's almost overwhelming to me to see how amazing God was for me during this time frame. When you look back on it, of every step of the way from the floor to the healing mm -hmm. and that God provided in some form or fashion family for me, be it biological family, to you know, people that were in my kids' school, to the women I found out in my from church in my community, it was just all along the way he had family for me, and he will do that for everyone. It does take you to have not only an open heart for it, but we talked about that. You've got to be intentional with that. You've got to be intentional with these relationships to allow them to build and grow because they don't happen overnight. Yeah, I know part of your the divorce care that you lead yeah. a, a support group, yeah. they become family. Absolutely. I just literally saw an email today that one of our care coaches sent uh, our admin and it was a picture of uh, a Christmas ornament that her Mending the Soul support group gave her. Yeah. And just how cool they have, they've become connected and close and they gave her this yeah. ornament and that's part of her family. Yeah. yeah. And you know, part of building strong family is 
you know, being vulnerable with each other. And, you know, that's what the accountability factor that we talked about. That's really important. And it, you don't have to have 20 people that you do that with. It You just need a few solid people that you can be, that you can trust mm-hmm. and that you can be vulnerable with and that you can receive, you know, that healthy accountability. That's how we grow. That's another way that God uses that to grow us. And it's another way to emulate Jesus. I mean, you had 12 disciples. Yeah. <laughs> know who to trust right yeah we'll, we'll focus on the 11 but even out of the 11 <laughs> they you know he had three in his inner circle yeah and that when you talk about vulnerability just and honesty and communication being able to say hey this is where i'm at and knowing that there's going to be a gentle receiving here on the other end mm-hmm. and someone willing to speak the truth and love with gentleness and respect yeah yeah yes one of the things that that i i started kind of getting too smug about maybe joking about how I grew up. Hey, brother in church. Hey, brother. Hey, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. But now I look back on that and I see, man, those are my brothers. They're my sisters. And the surrogate, the mothers and fathers in the faith that I've had. So the community of family that God brings when you put yourself in that um, vulnerable place to say, you know what? Um, I loved my, my biological father and mother, but there were some things that that I did not get from them yep. that I needed yep. that God filled through other he people fills the gaps. that even right here in this place where yep. I am. Mm-hmm. He, My psychologist told me, and I, I want to put this out there for people who, you know, maybe haven't had kids even. Yeah. Right. She's, you know, she's older and I asked her about like, well, did you ever want to get married or did you ever want to have kids? She goes, God gave me children. He gave me you. Wow. It's like, I have a lot of children and she goes, it's all about how, it, it's the way that you see it. Absolutely. And I was just like, that's, that's a woman who's come to peace in terms mm-hmm. and is secure. Yeah. Confident with where she's at. It's beautiful. God does beautiful things like that, doesn't he? Yeah. He's done it for you. He has. And I'm grateful for that. So I think if anyone is out there and they feel like, hey, my, I don't have a great, you know, immediate biological family. And, but I'm longing for that, you know. I would encourage you to step into that, you know, put yourself in a position to get surrounded because God will do that. You know, you've got to step into that, you know, find your community and then within your community, find some of those that can take you to that next, your tribe. Go find your tribe. That's good. Good.